Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restriction supply promotions may vary. Kaya, welcome to The Curb. My name is Andrew Pierce, and this podcast is recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth Region and pay respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. This episode is a celebration of Flickrfest, which is the international short film festival that's held in Bondi Beach, Sydney, on the 20th of January 2023 through to the 29th of January 2023. I caught up with the Flickrfest director, Bronwyn Kidd, who has been the director of Flickrfest since 1998, so 25 years helping run the show at this prestigious and wonderful short film festival. I had a chat to her about this year's festival, about what it means to be able to be a programmer and a director of a short film festival, and also to find out what some of the recommended shorts are at this particular festival. I really enjoyed chatting with Bronwyn, as I think you'll hear over the next uh, 20 minutes or so, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as well. Flickrfest, if you don't know, it actually tours around Australia, so it doesn't just take place in Bondi, but after the festival has uh, played, it has limited screenings around Australia and I highly recommend heading over to the website flickerfest.com.au to find out more details and if you like what I'm doing right now which is talking into a microphone however best that is uh, then make sure to head over to the website thecurb.com.au to check out previous episodes and to read interviews and reviews and all this kind of stuff that is there. This is the first episode for 2023, and I really hope to be able to bring you some more of these audio interviews throughout the year, as well as, obviously, transcribed interviews. And we also have the next edition of the Australian Film Yearbook, which is currently going through a possible name change at the moment, so uh, keep an eye out for that. But that will appear later on in 2023 with some really great interviews with Australian filmmakers. Anyway, enough about me. Let's dig on into the interview with Bronwyn Kidd. My name's Dale Kerrigan, and this is my second story. Mum said she'd never forget the day my sister Tracy received her official letter from Flickrfest. I'll never forget this day, Tracy. Thanks, Mum. Mm. Straight to the pool room. Okay. I mean, 1998 was when you started, so it's effectively, what, 25 years? That was my first festival, yeah. yes. Yeah. Have you had a chance to reflect on... Uh, the legacy that you've created and, and worked with uh, Flickrfest over the years? Uh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I, I feel it's, it's a bit of a, you know, I was just thinking what a whirlwind it's been because it's not like I have had a lot of time to reflect, I think, because we have grown and the festivals, um, you know, we've got, we've got every year is just um, more entries, lots of films to get through, more people requesting to be part of our tour other, you know, cultural screenings or things that we're doing for, you know, various um, Australian cultural organisations overseas. So it's an, it's an endless um, but very rewarding um, 
job. And it's, you know, it's nice that we've survived, really. I mean, there's been really tough times with the COVID um, pandemic. But, you know, Flickerfest kept going. We did two festivals. Uh, we've never not been in real life. We've never moved online. We managed to do all of our touring venues, you know, with a bit of nimble rescheduling. And um, so I guess in that sense, we've been really lucky. Uh, but... Yeah, I guess one of the big legacies, I think, is just to see the, the growth in, you know, the growth in the Australian film industry over the last 25 years, the amount that short films are loved by, you know, 50-plus venues on our tour around the country, and just to see so many talented filmmakers come through and go on to successful careers in the industry, which I guess is what festivals like Flickerfest provide that platform for, mm. to be discovered, for audiences to discover to have an opportunity to reflect on your own work as a filmmaker when you're seeing it in front of an audience and in light of other people's films that you're also screening alongside. I think all of those as aspects are really critical to being a film, being part of the film industry, you know, being part of the film industry or, or having a successful career in the film industry, finding your place in the film industry, all of those things. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things. Like, I'm I'm based in Perth, so I get to see the Perth League of uh, Flickerfest when it arrives here, and it's always lovely attending there and and getting to see the the not only just the films on screen, but then hearing uh, filmmakers who are attending there and getting to hear their experiences of watching their own work on screen or getting to be part of the Australian industry and telling Australian stories, and it's wonderful. That the buzz is so tangible. Yeah. What, what's that like for you, being uh, able to help foster and encourage and support that kind of buzz uh, for filmmakers? Well, well, I guess I really love it. Otherwise, I would still be doing <laughs> it. And I guess um, that's what's really exciting for me is, you know, having been a filmmaker myself, so coming from a creative background and, and you know, understanding what it means to have your film screened at a festival um, and, you know, just knowing how important it is to network with other filmmakers. And I think the thing that I really love about Flickerfest is you've got the short, Australian short film component, but you've also got this really fantastic international short film component, which people get to experience as well. And, and, and you know, international short films are like this incredibly, even rarer gems than Australian short films, because you just can't find them or access them, you know, not of this quality not of, you know, films that go on to be, you know, we've already got films this year that are moving into that are shortlisted for the BAFTA, uh, for the Oscars, sorry, or won the BAFTA that we're screening. So, you know, it's really that really high calibre of shorts and that really top end creative part of the industry and Australian audiences and filmmakers get to experience their peers from around the world mm. as well. And that's really exciting too. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that... That nurturing of talent, that that really, you know, seeing people go on to amazing things is is, is glorious. I think that's what makes a film festival director's job worthwhile. And certainly for me, you know, I've seen some incredible, you know, and I look at people like Mira Fox, so I look at, you know, Warwick um, Warwick Thornton or Wayne Blair or um, David Michaud or, um, you know, so many others that have come through. Kate Shortlands, you know, yeah, <laughs> short yeah. films at Screen at Fest, you know, and I look back on those days and, you know, um, look at these incredible, the talented people that you could see that little glimmer of, you just think, God, oh, that person's really talented. They're going to, you know, it's really exciting to see that very early talent. Sometimes it's not perfect 
and that's okay. I kind of like it that it's not often highly polished, but you can just see that passion and that creativity yeah. in that storytelling, and that and that's really exciting, and it's exciting to share that with audiences, and, you know, you want people to go on and be successful in what is one of the hardest industries in the world, I guess. Oh, it really is, isn't it? And uh, yeah. I'm curious for you, as somebody, you know, as a, a the director of the festival, um, you would get to see a lot of these shorts before many other people do. There are a lot of... Um... I've seen all of the films in the festival how, this year. <laughs> how do you even manage that? How do you find the time? Um, <laughs> uh, it's intense. Like, it's really intense. You've got to be committed. It, it, you know, it's months of when the entries start coming in and they go out. I watch all of the Australian entries, so that's something that I'm really committed to because I don't want to miss anything and I want to be able to see the field and I want to be able to know that I'm representing different states and I'm representing a really good diversity of, you know, female directors, culturally and linguistically diverse, LGBTQI, First Nations, you know, everyone should be in the mix. And Mm. so if I watch everything, um, I can kind of, you know, put those programs together with the knowledge of the really, you know, full field of what I've received for that year. And then, you know, I have uh, we have a programming team here in the U.S. in, um, well, actually, I shouldn't say the U.S. because they've moved to Rapa Nui, but Rapa Nui, the Netherlands, um, uh, the U.K., here in Australia, of course, you know, we've got a programming team and then they help um, or are very instrumental in the final international programs that we do alongside me. So... We've got Craig Borum, who, of course, his, his feature film, Lonesome, is, is doing great things. He's a really um, incredible um, queer director who um, he's, he's curates this is his fifth year of Rainbow Shorts, so that's his baby, um, and he looks after that one. Um, we have a national youth competition for films under 18. Lee Russell's been doing that for many years. So I've got some really passionate people that work with me in programming, but it is a huge commitment. You do have to go, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, it's, it's night after night after night and days in the office. That's the only way it works, really. It's um, it's a big volume, many, many hours to get through and then and the big jigsaw puzzle to put together at the end. And, and how many films are we talking as well that get submitted each year? Well, this year we had uh, just over 3,215. I love how you say that. It's like, oh, it's just over. It's like, that's a lot of films. Like, that's a lot. It's a lot of, it's a lot, a lot of films. (laughs) And so what I'm curious about for you is when you see these films before a lot of people get to see them, how do you kind of, uh, I mean, I I don't get to see as many as you do uh, before people do, but, you know, one of the privileges of, covering Australian films is getting to see films before a lot of other people do. How do you keep the, those gems uh, in, you know, how do you keep it kind of secret before you get to announce it to everybody? It's really hard to kind of uh, keep a, a lid on all those kinds of things. You just want to run out into the streets telling everybody, you've got to go and watch this, you've got to go and watch it. How did you manage well, they, to keep it <laughs> bottled up? <laughs> well, I guess I'm keeping it bottled up because I know that it's having its world premiere at Flickerfest, so I can't run out and say you can see it here or you can see it there because because, um, you know, we have a lot of world premieres and Australian premieres and we're really honoured to be chosen as a platform where people want to share their films for the first time. So, you know, for me it's just that, in, you know, it's just that general enthusiasm about, you know, sharing things and, and knowing that um, we're, you know, really 
excited to be discovering this talent and and so yeah i have to keep a lid on it until we get to um you know um the middle of december and our tickets go on sale and our presents and then of course there's also enormous respect for all the filmmakers because we can't choose everything you know so mm. i know that there's lots of filmmakers who are disappointed because they don't get in and often it's not because their film's not of a good enough quality it's just because of the mix of the films in the program you know, the themes, the diversity, there's all of those things that have to be considered in a short film program. So that's what becomes, I think, yeah, it's really, you know, it's challenging and it's hard and I really feel for those filmmakers who we can't choose because we can't screen 3,200 films, you know. As much as um, you'd like not, to, yeah. <laughs> it's just not possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we do already have a 10-day festival with 200 films, so it's pretty massive in the Australian landscape and you know, um, probably similar to a lot of other international film festivals of a calibre of Academy qualifying and BAFTA recognition. But, yeah, I mean, to do it a, a, a specifically short film festival is challenging, um, but it's it's very rewarding in that sense of you are really discovering and, and sharing this very unique and niche area of the film industry, totally outside, totally outside of commercialism and totally all about the creativity and passion, and that's really great. Mm. Well, I think, you know, short film format in itself is a totally, you know, it's very difficult to make a good short film. It's very difficult to be able to engage people within that short period of time. There's specific skills and talents, I think, in making a really good short film, so there's that aspect. But there is also the aspect of giving people, like, you know, I think about people like Dave Michu who had four short films in Flickrfest before he went on to make Animal Kingdom and things. You know, having the ability to hone your craft, having the ability to experiment with characters, all of those things I think are really critical to the journey of um, a filmmaker. And, you know, I think that's where filmmakers really, you know, Australian audiences love short films and we should be making lots and lots of short films and we should be funding them and, you know, um, we should be funding more animation we should be, you know, that the state agencies, the federal agencies should be really supporting this area of the industry because it's where the people that go on to sustain and, um, you know, really support the industry as a whole, as an industry, mm. um, as opposed to, a, you know, a craft. Um, they are, you know, they are a cottage industry, I was supposed to say, professional industries. Yeah, yeah. Quite that's that's really important, you know. We've got to have um, these areas where people can grow and network and see things and grow in their own, you know, their own ability to be able to analyse and dissect what makes a good film, what makes a good character, what the audiences relate to. All of those things are pretty critical, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. In in the process of having a strong foundation for a film industry. Mm. I want to touch on the theme or the the kind of celebration of the the Flickr Fest for 2023, which is uh, pulling from the castle in a lot of ways, and it's about the vibe. Uh, and I'm curious yeah, yeah. where that that idea came from, that concept of celebrating the vibe of short films of Bondi Beach. Well, it came from my head at one point <laughs> earlier this year came out of my head, but the reason it came out of my head was because it was very much inspired by the fact that the Bondi Pavilion in itself um, had a very um, long community campaign waged to save it from privatisation. And, in fact, um, Michael Caton, who's been a big supporter of Flickrfest, was very involved in that campaign as a Bondi resident. And 
Um, I've uh, been a long-term Bondi resident um, too, between the north coast of New South Wales and Bondi. And, you know, Flickerfest, it will be our, oh, I guess it's like almost, well, 25 years um, at the Bondi Pavilion, 26, I think, in fact, this year. So, um, and we were out of there for two years because it was under renovation, but there was a huge fight because about um, five to ten, uh, probably about eight years ago now, they were looking at refurbishing it, but totally like leasing out and privatising certain parts of it. So mm. making it impossible. So there's been that big fight in the background. And of course, with Michael Caton's really positive involvement in, in you know, the success of Saving the Pavoon. And then, of course, the castle turned 25 years old um, in 2022. And all of those things just led to, you know, let's do the castle and... Uh, <laughs> I really want to do that and how can that work and I'm really happy with how it works because I think it's really fun and it's really great to revisit old films that um, you know and put a new take on them and look at how other generations see them because you know what are we talking the 90s <laughs> yeah 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 it, it's and it's had such a great legacy as well I, I love the 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 ad the trailer for flick which is it leans into that quite a bit but it's so it feels uh, almost like this act of renewal in a way where it's like, this is what we love. This is what we need to celebrate. And after the past couple of years with the pandemic, it's been so hard on all of Australia that this feels like a, a celebration to say, all right, we're one of the first festivals that are kicking off the year. Let's yep. kick off this year in style. Is that kind of the vibe oh, of definitely. what you're aiming for? Yeah. yeah. And I love the idea of the vibe, you know, and I love the idea of that just, pure joy and happiness and, you know, kind of, um, there's nothing angst about the castle. There's just this really good-humoured, you know, kind of good-willed, um, kind of good, honest um, Australian humour, which I think we can all relate to, you know, that got, that idea of the fair go and that idea of, you know, family and, you know, just finding joy in simple things, not everything that's really complicated, you know, and that's what I love. It's just a... You know, it's a very simple finding joy in all the very simple things without complication, which maybe we all need to get back to. I think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, I've really appreciated having this chat and, and discussing uh, what you do and what the festival is all about. And I guess this is a, a very difficult question to ask, even, you know, the amount of films that you've watched. But there, are there any particular gems that you'd like to recommend that people seek out if they if they can only kind of head along to go and see one or two of the, the sessions? Which one would you highly recommend people head along to go and see? Oh, look, it's very hard. Look, that's a really incredibly hard session. And in, <laughs> in, in, when it gets to WA, all three, because, you know, you've got a small taste of Flickerfest there, so you can't miss any of them. Um, I will say that. Some wonderful WA films um, having their world premieres in the mix over there, which is very exciting. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think I always urge people, like, you, you know, the international programs are outstanding. If you think that 2,400 2, of our entries came from the rest of the world and we've chosen 40 of them, then I think that that will probably give you a small indication of just the incredible, um, you know, um, talent, craftsmanship, um, explosive storytelling that exists in the international programs. I mean, you know, I think they're absolutely not to be missed. Um, also, the short docs as well, 13 films chosen out of nearly 600 entries. Wow. So uh, it's really highly curated in those sections and really tough and really hard to get into those sections. So the films are really 
um, you know, it's it's world class competition, of course, as all of the competitions are. In the Australian program, I loved the Fritz, uh, which stars Trevor Jameson, um, Natasha Wonganin. Um, it's just a really quirky out there kind of story for a guy that gets hit, hit by Meteor, i.e. Trevor Jamison. But I just loved it. I just thought it was, yeah, it's a really interesting, um, you know, it's it's a place where perhaps First Nations filmmaking is going um, in a kind of a way where it's really kind of playing with genre and, and playing with all sorts of various ideas and um, just, yeah, just exceptional storytelling. Really loved mm. that one. Yeah. Um, um, that was really impressive for me. So, yeah, look, there's... Um, there's a lot. There's a uh, lot of great stuff. Yeah. Uh, look, so much great stuff. Tani, which won the Iris Prize, that's a massive prize um, in um, the LGBTQI community. Like, that's kind of the top prize that you can win in that as a short filmmaker, and that was won by an Australian team, John Sheedy, and um, Andre Limar, John Sheedy's originally from WA, I do believe. I think um, so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, his Tani won the Iris Prize, and we're thrilled to have the Australian premiere of that film. So that was a standout for me too. But so many of the Australian films, it's hard to pick, you know, but so many standouts across, you know. Like for me to put the final program together, I just, you know, it's like... I, I agonise because I have to leave things out, you yeah. know, that's the hard, that's the really hard part is just, oh my God, I can't show that film or I can't show that film, it's, you know, I can't fit everything in, the projection's going to kill me, I'm already making these programs quite long, you know what I mean, like, so yeah, it's always some really, really tough decisions, so I hope people know that when they come along to Fliggervest, you know, there's been much, much analysis and time put into making sure that every program, every moment of the program, that all the films fit together, that they go on a journey in the program, that it's all a highly curated experience that hopefully, you know, they will really enjoy and really get an, an enormous amount of and we put a lot of thinking into it for them. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you what, as as being somebody who, who loves what you do and, you know, curating and, uh, you know, organising and, and putting a stamp on these different films it is uh, yeah. a great delight to be able to sit there and and look through and and build a list of not only the films that are great to watch uh but yeah. as you were talking before um which is a perfect way to to wrap up which is you know seeing the the journey of those filmmakers and going all right here is where they're starting what a brilliant start where are they going to go from here? And I, I just love uh you know creating a list of the, all these names of people that I've got to keep an eye on and watch yeah, and see absolutely. where their career grows. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, well, thank you for your time, Andrew, and I, I hope to see you in Perth. Look as good as it did in the postcards, but it did. How's the serenity? So much serenity. None of us had been on the red carpet before. Mum said we all looked amazing. You all look amazing. Thanks, Dale. I really do, sweetheart. This might be the second best film the Kerrigans have ever made. It's Flicker Fest. It's great short films. It's Bondi. It's the vibe. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. 
Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.